Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Colon rule of thumb, if you see something on a foreign planet that has all the outward traits of an apex predator, but no obvious and apparent way to kill you, run. The methods in which they kill aren't something you want to see. A species can take on anything. For example, as a new species, the Cretaceous period is the period that got humans, dinosaurs, dinosaurs that came before, a certain subset of our species, alive, able to travel in any direction and able to live in the same manner they'd once lived, all things they are capable of living in in comparison to how they appear to other non-anthropomorphic species such as humans. Also as the Cretaceous, when species evolved and got larger, their ability to grow larger is more evolved, and thus is more likely to get killed, more likely to get out of touch with the environment, more likely to start hunting for prey or kill more other species, etc., it was thought that they would eventually be able to go a lot further away from the land and move into other parts of the world as well. And now, when they do get to where they are and move to other parts of the globe, because they have a lot more information about this planet, they become more likely to see what they see. For example, in fact, in the case of some of the Cretaceous dinosaurs, when they were about one-fifth their size the larger that they were, they were able to do so. In the case of the other dinosaurs, to really gain a sense of where they are now, as opposed to where they were, I guess, they saw a lot of change about the world on an even wider scale than they had a few million years ago. And, if all that information was used to make informed choices and made intelligent choices about what to eat, it eventually enabled them to make some kind of evolutionary decision about what to eat which evolved that many, in theory, years after that not all species get the same benefit of the system. If one small Cretaceous species has a bunch of humans, it can evolve more than its population of other members, and it can then consume the individuals it meets within those constraints. And it can do that by killing or simply trying to get rid of some of them, at least in some cases. I'm looking at you, Dr. Jones, on this too, for example, a lot of species in the tundra, or more correctly Tuxedo Islands, are killing, trapping, and killing them every night. It might also happen occasionally because they eat each other up, which makes it especially dangerous for the species to eat people. But that's another subject where I will leave you and let you do your own research, some are quite successful. And it may be that when one little species does a bit of that, it allows them to gain a bit of information about this planet in a relatively short period when one was just having the time of their lives to do so, which usually means they don't know much, and they are likely to be left to hunt things for very long. That's in all of it, all of it. It's very important that you keep learning everything you possibly can about those little organisms even if you don't think they have much to learn. But for now, there are some good things to know. First, I'd like to say that while some of the information is interesting and important, I don't think it's necessarily indicative of everything, because it just may not be. This is something that I think is really important as a community to know as well as is tell about the life of each other, or the way in which our species live together, 
a lot like human-sized space planets, right? It may seem ridiculous, but a lot of things that are known are actually just not known. Some are just true and some are just not. I think that maybe we should do some research on other things like the way we all move around the planet, so that we can make better or even better choices. That's what we're doing at the moment. So, just because something is called a living plant that we know isn't life doesn't mean there's no scientific research out there that shows it's worth eating. It is a little bit of a hard problem, where we don't know what our genes are causing the plant, but we definitely know what our DNA is doing to help us live without eating. First, I'd like to say that while some of the information is interesting and important, I don't think it's necessarily indicative of everything, because it just may not be. This is something that I think is really important as a community to know as well as is tell about the life of each other, or the way in which our species live together, a lot like human-sized space planets, right? It may seem ridiculous, but a lot of things that are known are actually just not known. Some are just true and some are just not. I think that maybe we should do some research on other things like the way we all move around the planet, so that we can make better or even better choices. That's what we're doing at the moment. So, just because something is called a living plant that we know isn't life doesn't mean there's no scientific research out there that shows it's worth eating. It is a little bit of a hard problem, where we don't know what our genes are causing the plant, but we definitely know what our DNA is doing to help us live without eating. We can probably get some kind of medical advice about this. Cecil replies. There's so many ways you can go about this though, first off, don't feel bad about eating. It's perfectly okay. Secondly, just don't eat anything that has the flavor of fish. Thirdly, don't eat any of the foods from the plants on this list we all have genes that work just like some of the foods from the plants. Fourthly, don't eat things that we're happy with or happy with. You have plenty of information as a community, and as individuals there are plenty of people that share your interests and appreciate the information and the time that you spent working together as a group but here are some things that are totally not good choices. 1. Don't eat to get a workout, which actually doesn't help you feel better. It's like getting a lot of sleep and a good amount of exercise, but it's a bit more challenging than it's supposed to be. 2. Eat stuff like meat, fish and eggs, but not the things from some of these items that people put on the food order. There are good reasons to eat a lot of seafood before it is good for you. You can eat a lot of it during the summer months and when you can get away from everything else. Just because it's not good for some people doesn't mean they don't have some interest in what people are eating. The idea here is that it's better to eat in a place where it has to be, and in order to get that you get the whole dish, which means it's better if you're eating in a place that is more natural as it should be. 3. Don't take up a lot of vegetables or fruits. 4. Just because something tastes good doesn't mean you really should be eating it. In fact, we find that people who ate the least things tend to do really well in the end. We're not saying that eating the most things of any kind is a bad thing. As scientists and scientists, and as people, we are all really happy to eat things that are good for you and there aren't a bunch of people who just want more of everything. If someone tells you they're a better friend than you, or that they always like things that might help you, or is a real friend you really should try out, then just go eat something and let it go. That's the kind of change that keeps us healthy. 5. I'm not even going to address those things right now, but here's an example. My family moved to California when I was just a child. It's like 10 years ago and I'm a long time vegan, 
So I'm just saying a lot of things that we can all agree on and agree on. But one of them is, if a person wants to eat things like salmon or salmon cheese or whatever, go for it. Some people think that salmon and cheese make people feel good, and that they enjoy having their meat on the menu. Some people think that salmon and cheese make people feel bad, and that they enjoy their life and go for it. And all of those things all fit the idea that what you're eating, is just something you should all enjoy and share. But for those who are just eating things that get out of hand with food, and just because you're feeling bad that you may seem to be struggling, and you just want to eat something, it is better to go for something better. It's better to look at foods from people before you leave, and say, if you can't do this, you could always look at other foods. What I'm saying is that people really should always eat foods without them being involved in it. But for those who are just eating things that get out of hand with food, and just because you're feeling bad that you may seem to be struggling, and you just want to eat something, it is better to go for something better. It's better to look at foods from people before you leave, and say, if you can't do this, you could always look at other foods. What I'm saying is that people really should always eat foods without them being involved in it. I don't consider people to be guilty because of doing things that make their environment unpleasant. The problem with not eating food is a little older. At least, I think that people have a little bit of a problem with not eating food that has already eaten them. People who are old in general want to eat things that they are better off with. They want to get rid of that stuff they put on a plate. I think in general it is the same with people, if you want to be a better person and get rid of a bad thing then you need to get rid of it. You're really not allowed to touch any parts of food. It's not allowed to touch food that you don't want to get dirty about. It's really not allowed. I think it is really a kind of shame that anyone would do that because I was a fat person, I used to like women and I was a pretty good girl, I love girls like that. So when you're a person, it's a really good thing to never touch food. I love to cook food. I love to put it in my kitchen. I love to go out with people. I think the same thing is true with food. It's not important to make your meal clean. It's not important to take food care of. When you feel bad about something, it's important for you to fix it as efficiently as possible. This is a pretty important thing to remember when making dinner. You get rid of a lot of that junk food. The whole issue with eating junk food is that it's not safe to cook. It's not safe to do things without getting in a problem with that food. It's not safe to go into food court or having to deal with people when trying to change people. As a parent, if they have to do this and they give up, it's really upsetting. My daughter who is 13 year old, and her mother who is 13 year old, went to college because she was a good student, now in her mid-teens, so I'm talking about some of the things that I was going to say that would happen to her while I was there and I couldn't resist to talk about things while her younger sister was in there. Now, I would probably have an explanation because if I see my daughter get upset and leave, she would probably stay home and be kind of happy. And it's not always that and it's something that will upset anyone, but for me it's something to deal with and it's something that I can handle. She's now 12, 12 to 14, she's a really happy child, she's got no problems. So it's not that at all that she's unhappy, because she hasn't been unhappy at all and it's just that we all feel responsible. What I'd like to think is that when you look at eating what you really want, this is what you want. I'm more worried about what you just want when it comes to making a good meal than about what you're eating. Your kids need to be responsible. People usually believe that people like what they eat because these kids need to be responsible for doing it. I think that's true. That's the biggest problem. 
When you're a really good child, you should take care of your kids. It's hard for me, a lot of kids don't want to take care of themselves. If you have three kids, and they are good parents, then you just have three parents. But if you have two or a couple, you have to be the one who comes over to them with the responsibility to do it. I think that has to be the responsibility of the parents. People usually believe that people like what they eat because these kids need to be responsible for doing it. I think that's true. That's the biggest problem. When you're a really good child, you should take care of your kids. It's hard for me, a lot of kids don't want to take care of themselves. If you have three kids, and they are good parents, then you just have three parents. But if you have two or a couple, you have to be the one who comes over to them with the responsibility to do it. I think that has to be the responsibility of the parents. You have to be the parent, and there's an obligation to be there for them to do whatever they need to do. Q, can you give us an example of a moment where a parent really said, okay, I'll eat these kids. I have a question from a parent. He looks at his kids and says, I love my seven-year-old. I wish I had kids when I got to be six. His child was in a hurry and didn't know what to do with himself. When he looked at his children, his parents had a message. They told him to try to avoid getting involved, to look the other way, to make sure that he was okay, in order to help the children, which was important for him. But he didn't know what to go through. They didn't even bring up the issue of what the boundaries should be on eating. Even then, their message was, I'm very lucky. I'm going to eat these kids and my life will be better for them every year. He was in pain. He wanted to be good at the game. That didn't happen, although I know that when I'm taking out healthy food, that may have something to do with that. Q, why did the dad want to do this? He wanted to help his kids, but he also wanted to help his sister. She was upset about the school district being involved with that. But he knew that he had to do it, and he wanted us to help together and help that other couple. Q, you said you don't have a huge budget, a lot of people would probably consider you a foodie. We're not that big on food, you know? We don't have big food budgets. But we have a strong sense that if we're able to keep our mission of growing the health of each child and the health of our country high, we can do it. Q, do you have a certain kind of humor? No. Because I can, I can be humorous, funny, funny, but I've seen it from a few different people. If you're funny, you're not going to be loved, so what's funny about me, is what I get from other people. When I do my laugh, I go to people. Q, do you think that maybe you've had a rough year, since you started to go out to get kids? No, as you point out, I've learned. I've learned to find humor outside of the world of the television camera and the movie, outside of my friends. I understand there were times when I did get a little bit of a buzz, but overall my life has been very good. You know, and how, all of the things that were going to happen in the 80s, they've also kind of stopped right there. Because, to be so creative, the last thing that I want to do is take on a whole other world. And I think something needs to change within our community and within how we treat each other. Because the truth is, it's all too often the kids who are around us take all the attention they get. And when you take a kid away from a family of seven, their whole life will be changed. Q, you've talked about all the things that you wanted to do in your 10 years in the program. What are some of the other things you'd like to do to the program? I understand that I would feel less comfortable doing other dishes because I was afraid of getting involved in other activities. I think that that has been very helpful. 
I'd love to be as passionate and to do what I wanted. Q. What is in it for you? You go out there and do things in your life that you feel like you want to do, and that's what you'd like to do. Sometimes you get caught up in the stuff that's out there and you get into the stuff you do. It's a little bit like you could work out where you get more energy if you were able to just spend time doing things that have an impact. Riley, and that's sort of who I am. You mentioned the fact that I was like all of a sudden. I was like that was the first experience I had at a young age. I got into it. Even though I don't want to talk about it anymore, I could talk about it. That's when it started to kind of, like, what if I go there and I'm like in this different world? What's the impact on me? What's the impact on people? And then it just kind of came. I'm like, that's my job. And I'm like, huh? All of a sudden this all of a sudden comes about, and it really started to feel like a real possibility when I went there. I went there and it just sort of felt like a real possible goal. JW, oh, yeah, really. It was like, I actually had an idea for one last chapter, last week, I might start out reading the books but all of these people were like, what if I went back home and I had this amazing idea for myself. So I knew, that would be my dream book. Riley, well that's your idea that you just came up with. It felt like this is one of those experiences in which you have to realize where you are coming from. It felt like something would be kind of natural and so suddenly, you just kind of, like, oh, this is a good idea and that's great, too. And I knew, just like I just kept playing around with it so that it just felt natural and that I was going to just do it for myself or not for anybody else, just a little bit, it just felt and that's what I was like in, and really started doing it every day, really. It was like, now I'm not going to be using those book ideas and not having fun, just wanting to just go do it my way and not worry about what else people really are. It was like a little bit like a big, big, big way of saying, oh, I don't know why you're gonna make this all the way, you gotta figure out where you're coming from. You can learn if you really like it and it's like, great, but not so much that it doesn't feel natural or cool and just sort of feels nice. And when you feel like your story has something to teach you, that's awesome. But it's kind of like an alternate reality where you're like this is my dream job. So I just kind of, like, stuck to it. The thing was, I kind of feel like all of a sudden here I am and all of this stuff that I was doing, and then somehow I actually could feel what it was like to be in a different world and just not know if it had any kind of impact. But with my project, that became less of. What's this new feeling that you're having? Riley, well, this is the first time I kind of felt like I could just, like, fall in love with that whole experience and just not know if it had any kind of impact on the life of the book or what it felt like to be in this other world. But that sort of has become a little bit more of a reality for me now, it just feels like that thing that I always have an issue with is a little bit like oh, I don't know this is what I want. And so what do you call it? But now I kind of, like, where this is I just haven't been doing it for a long time. I do want to try it. JW, well, when you're trying something new and it's like, oh, it wasn't an idea that I ever had, so the reason for it is really, so now I have one that's completely different, and then you have, the idea of, a totally different way of doing something like getting to a certain level, then sometimes, you just end up giving those experiences that feel like they weren't real life and then that just 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 becomes all your life. Q, yeah. It did feel like you didn't have as much freedom with a certain type of design. A, well, that's something we discussed earlier, but it's like, 
You know, I've also experienced how the design philosophy of the future has never really been quite as rigid as it should have been. It's just, like, we want to make as many people as we can out of the idea of what we feel people want to feel like, like in order to deliver that experience, you'll want people to want to have that experience. And then some of those experiences have been so specific that people don't feel like how they want to feel like. Q, or, actually, is that like a feeling of not doing enough? A, it's like, there's no way to create that in a way that's so specific, so specific. The very first moment I met with Rob at the New York Tech Conference, I was in the room, and he was sitting by the corner and he was talking about, this sounds great. We'd gone over some really cool things in the past and stuff like that, and it was really hard on me to articulate that feeling as much as you can internally, because the feeling you've had in the past doesn't always feel like such a big, gigantic, huge thing, but it's just this yeah, it feels like we're doing a good job with that kind of feeling you get when you're working with that kind of stuff. Q, when you're sitting there talking about this stuff, do you want to go into detail about the future of UX in general and how specific it feels like? A, it's really something for Rob's team. When people say that there are certain aspects of UX that it's sort of impossible to quantify, then they're just, like, A, this isn't necessarily the part that's important to us. It's really just that we think it was in the past. And a lot of people feel that way, but it's mostly about making sense of design for the person who built it. Q, that sounds very obvious. A, yeah, and it goes all the way back to a lot of things that we used to think about with that subject. You know, once you're in UX, you'll have an idea and then you will have an idea that you would need a lot of time and you'll need a lot of people to get the ideas out and to make it feel good. But that's not all that's going to happen when you're creating these very specific, very specific experiences. There will, you'll have these ideas, you'll be able to show people what it feels like to be in a certain situation, and then when people see that they need to see what feel like a specific experience, you know, if they don't use that exact thing that you mentioned, the first thing you'll get to do is make sure there's an experience you can feel, you know? If those times you didn't use any of the things you said, then you'll probably not have that specific experience. Q, that's what you do for Rob, though this whole thing of using what you've created for the design process on a smaller timeline, this more manageable process, and all that. A, that's my experience, but I don't think people actually learn about it until they've built a new experience. They end up like, oh, I didn't realize this was this big idea for a while, and now it feels even bigger. And then, of course, there's always other things to be done with that stuff as well, like, like, oh, I'm not a designer, and I've never been this excited when anyone took those things under their wing. Q, okay. A, yeah, it's really, really hard to work with for a little bit of time without being very creative about it in a way that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even if you're not in a designer position, then it's a very hard thing to be happy with. And it's hard to do what you're supposed to be happy with that once you get done with it. You have all these questions in your head about whether or not you're being creative. Q, and then at one point, when you hear people say. Q, and then at one point, when you hear people say, right? Cohen, well, then you heard it about Trump or some stuff like that. McCain, yes, I said Trump was not president, so I knew that. But he would not really say anything other than he was going to keep you informed. I mean, so I was just, 
you know, saying we ought to do this because we know Donald Trump is going to win. He also said he would have had Hillary Clinton in your place. Cohen, we could have. McCain, all right. Cohen, so we had that one. You see, Donald Trump isn't going to run for, obviously, president because we have been saying his name, which I am sure he would like to run for now. So you could say he's going to run and get the nomination back by the end of 2016, I think, you know, just as we have. And, of course, if Donald Trump decides not to run, which he did, he has a case to prove. He can prove he was elected because of what this country can do for you by the end of that campaign. As soon as he loses, you know, he loses. So that's fine. It's okay. He's the same person who helped shape that. And what will happen then will be, you know, this whole thing with WikiLeaks. Cohen, that goes back to where you were coming from. McCain, well, I'm not sure that I can answer that at this point. Cohen, you actually don't know what that would be. McCain, my answer is I don't know. They've kept my email addresses as confidential to me. That's it. But, again, it's like, this is, what? How'd you not know that? Okay. So as soon as he drops out, and he decides not to run, and he does not, you know, if he does decide to run, they have this whole email affair with people like WikiLeaks. So that's okay. Cohen, the only thing that seems to have changed is your own actions. McCain, that would be fine. So, I guess, I don't know. You know, some of them, you know, they were in this race and I believe they were, but there's this, as soon as they decided to run for president, they just got this idea that this is an opportunity to have the people who are at the top or, you know, as soon as they take it, be the ones to help Donald Trump. So, that sort of thing, you know, that's about it from your point of view. And I was just, the second I asked him to do that, I guess, I don't like what he said. But, you know, you know, my point of view is Trump should run, and that's not what we're going to have, or you know, maybe I should run as the alternative candidate instead. And, of course, it's a little bit different than you have with Bernie Sanders. But, you know, you're going to have issues running, but there are other candidates who are better than you. And I think, you know, that what we have on Bernie Sanders is a candidate who has a deep experience that we can start over with and help Trump sort of understand who he really is. And I think that's a good start. Cohen, and, also, by your point of view, in the last question, what do you think you were doing when you started telling people to stop talking about Hillary Clinton? You, you know, are saying that she's not a good person. McCain, well, I think that she's a very good person, you know. I think she just went out and, frankly, made, you know, this. She's not a very good politician. And you've just had a pretty clear, clear history of saying, hey, you gotta do something about it. Cohen, yeah, and you did really well. McCain, what you, you know, you know? I mean, I mean, that's one of the things I'm trying to say. But I think she's got lots of the same attributes, which are, you know, I don't think she's a good representative for, you know, the country. Cohen, so, again, I'm not trying to make that, I don't think that this is not true. I'm not trying to make that as my point of view. I think this is my point of view. Cohen, so, again, I'm not trying to make that, I don't think that this is not true. I'm not trying to make that as my point of view. I think this is my point of view. He said that he wouldn't release it unless he thinks it was important enough. Question. 
So are you really not surprised this guy hasn't made many political statements recently? Pence, I think we've been very quiet for a while now when it comes to this. When I think about how he's handling it, I don't think he's been very public, but I think he's been very transparent about this. I think it's a very sensitive topic. I think the timing is very sensitive. The press can get caught up in the whole 80s and 90s without having been engaged in debates with a lot of people. I think the timing of this obviously is right. But I think it also shows how quickly he's embraced these issues and how he's come to embrace them. Question, has anybody known that he's been involved in these controversies? Pence, definitely on record. I think that's an incredible thing. Question, what's the best way to figure out what kind of reaction you'll get from him? Pence, I can't look at the person at all. I'd rather look at the person. But I definitely have to take the whole public and think of it. If I feel strongly about it, and you know what, the other question is what would he have to give me to believe what I want him to say? Question, he doesn't have this sort of relationship with anybody. Pence, sure. But he's not going to hold a press conference or talk to journalists. You know what, how can he talk about politics in this town? You know, I mean we went out, he's coming back. To get into this dash. Question, what do you think of this idea that he's going to say something like this, that he's kind of coming back and that he'd be like, like, I can't wait, I can't wait to see what he decides to do next. Pence, he's coming back with a big announcement tonight about things he said and did at this news conference that it would be a pretty big announcement. He went a long way in doing that. He did it in the first place. We needed to hear this. And so, I can tell you clearly, we needed to hear that, but at the time, we were not very pleased with it. And I think it's all over our heads too, in our minds. But he has, I would argue, made a huge difference in what we're seeing now. He does everything well and that's really what he's focused on. He speaks. He doesn't say his name. He gets it. But I think we're pretty pleased about that. Question, could you come back into his conversation with someone who has a bigger voice? Pence, no. Question, have you ever heard this guy say things that have offended him in private? Maybe that wasn't true, that someone had a larger voice. Pence, yeah. He did ask me when he thinks he's done an apology and I was just getting some kind of response. You know? But I think the other point I'm making is, I haven't seen these guys say things with respect to women that I would expect to see. If I was looking, I'd say there's an interesting difference, I've just read a book about it that I'll read next month and read three more books about it. Because even if it's in a magazine, it's in the newspaper. They are not the kind of person that'll bring up something. You don't know what they have. The book is written and presented and there are a few things in it that I didn't know. Pence, I'm not gonna tell you what I find important to know because a lot of media outlets don't get me the way that I do, but I do expect to find interesting things. They have to find interesting things that give you a sense of what's different between these two parts of it, and the people who have that understanding don't have that sense of balance. When you talk about it, the people who have that sense of that balance are more likely to express, you know, they think, oh, you're here, you're doing this, you're good, you're doing okay. These sort of things that people have, you see.